Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Directed by award-winning filmmaker Ricky Stern, A Radical Life takes us inside the mind of Tanya Joya, a former Islamic extremist once married to the highest-ranking American in ISIS. Tanya was a working-class British teenager from Bangladesh when her longing for purpose and belonging following the 9-11 attacks drew her to Islamic extremism. I'm going to leave it there. In fact, I probably said too much. The film is called A Radical Life, and we're joined today by the director, award-winning director, Ricky Stern. Ricky, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike. It's good, it's good to be back. As I just said to you before we got started, I had never heard of her and didn't know anything about her story, or for that matter, her husband, John Georgilis. How did you get to know her? There was a really brilliant Atlantic article written by Graham Wood. It's uh, an excerpt from his book. And then he did a profile on Tanya Joya. Um, he had been writing about extremism and had focused primarily on her husband, John George List, that he, he was able to piece things together to figure out who this American was and then ultimately connected with the wife, Tanya, who was back living in the United States. And through a producer, Pia Kellinger, who saw the story, she brought it to me. I had been working on a series about radical women uh, and she separately had been working on a series about radical women. So we kind of came together and this film came out of both of our interests of um, what drives people to extremism, cults, radical behavior, and we're seeing that now on the rise uh, all around the world. But in the United States, we have seen the numbers of anti-government and hate groups uh, rise significantly. And I think it's an important topic to talk about. Was there something about Tanya in your initial meeting with her that you either connected with or you saw what we see in the film in terms of her personality, her disposition, what was it about her that in your first meeting, your first impression of her? Well, I met her the first day I filmed with her and I filmed with her over four days for 10 hour days, uh, long, long interviews, and then came back and filmed with her again. I had seen something that was done. I, I, I think what's interesting about Tanya is that she has lived in extreme worlds and going from living in war-torn Syria at the you know height of the civil war or tail end, um, and then coming back to the United States, living in Texas, she's really had sort of very extreme world. And I think she's had to make sense of it all. And so for me, what's interesting her, with her is how she um, understands her history, how memory plays a large part in telling of her story. And so I was very interested in that um, because there's a lot in her and you see in the film that feels maybe somewhat unresolved and um, wanted to pull that out in, in the storytelling that she has an answer, you know, she has a story and she's done press on it. But I think when you really dig a little deep into who she is and, and everything she's been through, it's, it's complicated and she has mixed feelings still. 
I would even go back a little bit further in terms of her life experience. She is from Bangladesh, ended up in in Britain, in London, was was subjected to a lot of ridicule and demeaning behavior. So she's lived in a lot of worlds. Absolutely. I mean, her her childhood in South London, uh, she met was met with a, a lot of racism. And I really that becomes the kernel of her feeling disenfranchised, feeling other, feeling outside, like an outsider and, and reconciling, trying to reconcile for herself. Am I a Western young girl wearing blue jeans or am I going to embrace my family's Muslim practice? And I think, you know, she tells it that she was sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time. And post 9-11, she was befriended by a student whose mother was extremist and she calls it indoctrination, but she she was fed this and moved down a path of extremism um, where finally she says she felt she could be proud and feel empowered by her background and became fundamental, became a fundamentalist, but became an extremist and and was looking for power in that because she had felt so so outside of it all and felt powerless. Yeah. I want to revisit that part of her story, but I I feel like we need to talk about John Jorlis and his very important role in her life and in her and part of her radicalization. Um, let's talk about John. Where, where's his background? What's he about? So Tanya met John on a uh, muslimmatrimony.com website. And he, at the time, was 19, 18, 19. He had grown up in Texas, the son of uh, military heroes in the U.S. military. His father um, was a, a doctor in the army, and he grew up in a Orthodox Greek Orthodox family in Texas. And he rebelled against that. And his way of rebelling was to walk into. I mean, among other things, ultimately he walked into a mosque after 9/11, and he converted to Islam. And it took him down this path. He went to Damascus. He was a very bright young man and he learned Arabic and he started to translate old texts. And over time, he became more and more radicalized. And when he met Tanya, she would say she was already, she was radicalized. So she was looking for someone who to, to join together and be on this radical journey with. And ultimately she had children with him and she started to feel that her role as a mother, she wanted to create a life for her children and didn't want to ultimately have them be child soldiers. And that sort of began opening the door for her to, to, to say like, maybe this isn't the life for me. And it was his family that really rescued her. Uh, John's mom and dad provided a way for her to escape Syria and come back to the United States and have cared for her children and helped her since. Um, and John, on the other hand, went deeper and deeper into this extremist lifestyle. We're talking with Ricky Stern. She is the director of a documentary film that will be premiering on Discovery Plus, and that would be this coming Thursday, October 13th. You should be looking for this. You can go to the discoveryplus.com website to find out more about the film. And also about signing up. If, you, if you're not already a member of the Discovery community, you should be. Again, the film is called A Radical Life. It's a remarkable story on a lot of levels. We don't, we don't know of too many Americans who 
have gone to the extremes that um, John Georgilis has. John Walker Lynn is mentioned in the film. Even his story, I mean, is complicated. And so is, I don't know, John's feels pretty straightforward in terms of the choices he made. It's an interesting idea of radicalization. And I think you hit on it earlier when you were talking about power and feeling powerless, right? Well, well John's interesting. Oh, I was just going to add that John was interesting because when he his translation of these texts, he was ultimately declared that there should be a caliphate, there should be an Islamic state, and it should happen now. And he was finding texts to back up that. And Tanya says, and this is again where the interpretation and memory come into play, but says that you know it wasn't about the violence in the beginning, but that ultimately. John was supporting violence and ended up taking up arms and was wounded. And ultimately they think he was probably killed in a drone strike, but that it began sort of as an, she would say, an intellectual exercise. Yeah, I agree with you. I I was actually referring more to Tanya than John. John's a different story. John's a different, I mean, he seemed to go into it, what, whatever the family dynamic was for him. That's That's another part of the story but he seemed to know what he was doing along the way. And with Tanya, I think she also knew Islam very well and she was well-versed in it, but her perspective seems to be that of someone who was disempowered and unable to control her own life and have enough control over her own life. And yeah. I that's sort of a dynamic. And I, I know you can't make a blanket statement about people who become part of who become radicalized become part of these kind of violent fringe movements. But I think their power dynamic has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to say that, you know, and, and we say it in the film that, well, most people who practice, who are practicing Muslims are not terrorists. And I, and yes. I say that because, uh, you know, we want to make sure that the point is really about radicalization. Yes. And, and we, we see it now across religions. We see it now across ideology you can be driven when you feel other and you feel disenfranchised to 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 hang on to the hatred and the fear that you've cultivated and 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 externalize it and that that's ultimately i think what we see in tanya's story and and we're seeing now you know in in growing numbers i want to stay on the topic of your film a radical life but it's hard not to want to talk a little bit about what's seems to be happening here in the united states and to what degree it's happening it's hard it's hard not to go to a dark place in terms of what it feels like what it feels like to me you know sort of uh, existentially but it does feel for me personally just to say this part of it and we'll have to talk more about it if you don't want but that this has metastasized now that it's reached kind of a critical mass and it's now it's its own ecosystem its own life it's on its own life support. And that's the part that frightens me. Yeah. I mean, some would say, as as we saw, you know, with what happened with George Floyd, that like that was the band-aid off of what was already there festering in, in America, that there yeah. racism, anti, you know, anti-groups of all sorts, it's there, has been there, have been there. And and now maybe we're talking about it more. I, I hope with education and awareness of these groups, 
you know, we can create some kind of a dialogue so that these groups do not continue to grow and 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 exist and fester. But um, I do think the numbers are probably growing and people and, you know, social media plays a role in that. Uh, we see social media played a significant role in people joining ISIS from the Western world. So I think we have to counter that with with other meth methods of media and um, to talk about this and, and educate people. Uh, the thing about Tanya Joya in the film is she's a very compelling person. First of all, she's very attractive. She speaks in a way that is very um, engaging. She seems self-aware, as you described her earlier, someone who understands her life and has a context to understanding her life, which makes her a very compelling individual. And I have to say, I she won me over in terms of my how much I believed what she was saying to be true. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I just, I, I thought she's a, an avatar for a lot of people in the world who have gone down a very similar road, who have, have lived very similar life, sort of a first world, third world kind of uh, dynamic. Is that fair to say? It, it is. I mean, I, I, I think that I would just add, I think there's another layer to her that's still sort of trying to figure it out. She says in the film, I don't know who I'll be in 10 years. Yeah. I am just, I think of myself, I'm just a radical person. And I think that element that drove her to this extremism is there in her personality. And she has awareness about it. Yeah. But but I, I, I think that's what makes her so interesting is that it is that there is this level or layer there. And I, we were, I was just with her at a film festival and, and I, she acknowledges that there's this layer to her of just sort of still figuring things out. What's been her reaction to the film? Um, you know, it's always interesting when people see their, they always pick on things yeah. like, why did I wear that? Or, or you know, <laughs> sort of more superficial. She liked it a lot. You know, she felt I had done a, a fair job in representing her. And, you know, I push back on certain things in, in the film when yeah. I see her react certain ways that don't seem like she's fully like left the past behind. And she does say, you know, I'm like two people. I think she's able to compartmentalize. And we talk about that. And she acknowledges that, that that's, you know, that she, that we see that in the film and that she supports that. Well, congratulations on the film. An amazing body of work between you and Annie Sundberg. Your body of work is incredible. I'll just name a couple here. We can go back to Trials of Daryl Hunt, which is the first film I saw of yours. Uh, the Devil Came on Horseback. I think that was Oscar nominated or shortlisted. Was that nominated? The, the Trials of Daryl Hunt was shortlisted. Okay. Burma Soldier, Reversing Row, how prescient, mm -hmm. and so many others. Joan Rivers, a piece of work, and so many others. Congratulations on all of your work and congratulations on a radical life. Ricky Stern, thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music